Space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. This is Code 47. Uh, coming to talk to you about Star Trek, episode number 104. I am Charlie Carden, uh, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain uh, or commanding officer with the rank of Commodore, Commodore of the USS Grand Petoskey uh, here in West Michigan. I am joined by my esteemed Trekkers and colleagues. We've got uh, a pair of folks that have not been with us for a couple of episodes. We're glad to have them back. I'll start out with my stalwart sideman, Peter Stein. Peter, how are you? Hey, everybody. Doing all right. And Jen Watson, the superstar of Sequest DSV <laughs> and, <laughs> and the good bad of Star Trek. No, Jen filled in with me uh, when we were between the end of Picard uh, and the uh, the beginning of Strange and Worlds, which is what we're talking about right now. Yeah, um, and. And she's yeah, and she's awesome. And she's done some episodes of the Facts Geek Life with me over on the Patreon, uh, which segues me into talking about the Patreon. Uh, visiting patreon.com slash secret friends unite, you will find access to all of our Patreon content and a special free one-week trial when you pick any one of our tiers. Um, we would we do a lot of great fun stuff over there. I mentioned the Facts of Geek Life where myself and a guest uh, do choose uh, a season of an older genre show, and we pick apart four or five episodes. We have a rocking good time. Peter, I've still got to pin you down for one. Get you, maybe we'll do Battlestar Galactica or something. Um, uh, my, you know, my my partners Mark and Todd have shows as well. Um, so we're having a great time, and I always like to give love uh, to our top tier Patreons uh, who do make it possible on our BFF levels. That would be the awesome Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, our frequent collaborator, and my close personal friend Missy Merchant, and her friend Andy Milliken and Jamie Prinky. We are very grateful uh, for you guys. So anyway. The commercialism is now out of the way, so let's let's talk about some Star Trek. No exciting news this week, guys. Unless I'm missing something, there are any Star Trek stories in the wind? I'm 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 forgetting about. Not that I know of. We're dry. Uh, the the one the one itty bitty tiny tidbit is there will be a Star Trek panel at San Diego Comic Con in a couple of weeks. Uh, we talked over on SFU Prime about how massive amounts of other companies have pulled out because with the writer strike and the looming actor strike, there's not going to be a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, but Star Trek is going to have. <clears throat> their own panel presence there in, in Hall H, uh, where they're going to talk about Strange New Worlds Discovery and Lower Decks, which means it's coming back. But we still haven't had an announcement, which is very frustrating because that show usually drops in August and it happens to be July. So I would love it if they'd be talking about it. Yeah, I won't be surprised about Lower Decks. That's, it's done so well. They know We know we're getting more seasons of it. The only question is when. Yeah. So. Yeah. But if you let, you know, seasons one through three have all, have all dropped yeah. in August. So I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that one. So I mean, um, doing a stealth drop and just, you know, surprise would be very on brand. for Yeah, me. yeah it's very true. <laughs> that is very, very on brand. I was excited. I ordered from uh, the website Titmouse today, um, my Starbase 80 t-shirt that I'm going to wear <laughs> yeah. at Vegas. I got them for April and myself. So the I'm looking forward to that. Carry yeah. your Rolodex. 
Yes, nobody even jokes about that. Oh, my goodness. So, no, looking forward to that. Yeah, myself and uh, Kay and Missy are are the two co-hosts who are not here. We'll be at Star Trek Las Vegas uh, coming up in just a few weeks, which means uh, we'll have an episode again in July, but the first part of August we will not have an episode. So, uh, But when we come back, we'll resume talking about Stranger Worlds, and we'll probably have a special talk about Star Trek Las Vegas as well and our experiences there. So, okay, without further ado, let's jump in to talking about the next two episodes of Strange New Worlds Season 2. Peter, would you like to kick us off talking about Episode 3? Episode 3, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Another Shakespeare reference. Yes, 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 yes. Lan travels back in time to 21st century Earth to prevent an attack which will alter humanity's future history and brings her face-to-face with her own contentious legacy. Oh my goodness, I am... I'm really digging on this episode, but I want to hear what you guys have to say first. Jen, you're up. I really liked it. Um, I mean, big surprise, but um, the like the city on the edge of forever vibe that it had. I mean, not just I mean, not just because you have Kirk in it, but like that whole there's a tragedy here. You have to kind of give something up, and you have to come to fi- come to terms with, as the synopsis said you know, her, her destiny and how that's tied in with the destiny of the history of the future and Khan. And yeah, it was, it was cool. And, um, she and, uh, Kirk had great chemistry. I thought it right. was really natural. Nailed um, it. I love how we get like her perspective, like the woman's perspective of Kirk's charm, even though it's a different timeline, Kirk, it's still, you know, we can see how you can you could fall in love with him very, very easily. Right, right. I just mm-hmm. uh, Paul Wesley as as Kirk, and what's interesting is that this is the second uh, iteration that we've seen him in the character. We also got him in the Quality of Mercy, the finale of the season one. Uh, and I will let you guys know because I've seen through season, uh, episode six that he he does come back again. Um, but I'm not going to tell you much more than that. Um, no, I don't want but, to know anything else. <laughs> yes, but he um I have I I have loved his portrayal. Um, I I don't dislike Chris Pine as an actor, although I'm not fond of those films. Um. Shatner is a kind of a creature onto himself. There's no doubt about it. Um, but I would, I would almost say a hot take, unpopular take that I, I would put Paul Wesley as my favorite Kirk. I know that's I crazy. I really like him. I know that's crazy, but yeah. I just uh, he he no. Oh yeah. Oh Peter is about, Peter's like. Arr! But we'll yeah we'll, we'll we'll shift on over to you, buddy. But anyway, yeah, I'm gonna put my plug in for Kirk. But uh, Peter, go ahead. Oh, I was just letting you finish. I was just oh, did you? okay. You know, just you know. I mean, I I am not one to step on the passion when somebody else comes up. So you seem to feel very passionate. I know you're a TOS guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen and I are kind of meh when it comes to TOS. We talk, we've talked about that. Um, yeah. So I mean, what did you what what are you thinking about the episode in general? And then about seeing this, you know, Alt Kirk. We get an Alt Spock as well, uh, and yes. actually uh, we get an Alt Ortegas, though she doesn't speak because uh, you see her sitting there on the bridge. Um, but yeah, what did what did you think of of, of Wesley's Kirk, and what did you think about the episode overall? I really liked this episode. Um, I know some people are like, oh, it's just a t- you know time travel episode. I love time travel episodes. I don't totally. Care. I'm gonna yeah. fight anyone who says otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really liked this one. Um, for me, the first ten minutes were really rough. Yeah. Um, I did not like how Kirk behaved in the first ten minutes. Basically, once he started playing chess. Then he got to the point that he was the Kirk I recognized. Yeah, um, he, he, he Kirked it in. <laughs> yeah, once he got to that point, he was at, he was James T. Kirk. 
before well, that he was kind of a not I don't know exactly the best way to describe it, but he was he was under pressure because he Well, was here's the thing. It wasn't what, it wasn't like the minute he was like in the past, because I understand you're fish out of water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but sure. Even even how he was on the ship, it didn't really gel for me. Um, you, you don't you don't think that's how Shatner Kirk or Chris Pine Kirk would no, behave confronted by that kind of situation? No. Like, who it, is this? Been, there was a little bit too much um, rigidity, I guess, and then hmm. which made the freak out more. Yeah. Um, well, it's a different timeline entirely. Like, right. I, yeah, I get that's, that. That's, I'm, that's, I'm, that's I'm com- I am comparing. Yeah. I, I know. I'm saying okay. I'm comparing. Okay. Mm-hmm. I realize this is a different <laughs> Earth. Right. And, yeah. And and very different. I mean, he goes on to describe that, that Earth is a wasteland. Yeah. Uh, he was born in space. He's lived in space. So he's not uh, any of the things that shaped, you know, Bill Shatner's yeah. Kirk or even Chris Pine's uh, Kirk, who was also born in space, ironically, but lived on Earth and 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 followed a you know a different timeline. Um, there seems to be even less in common with this third version. But I yeah. just I dig it, even though the third version bleeds back to the first version, but not in this version. So this is the this is the the the, the fourth ver- fifth, fourth version of Kirk, For, fourth at, version of Kirk, second act, third actor. Yeah, God, so, there you yeah, go. But after he started playing chess, he was fine. Um, for me, and well, I really quite. Loosened up too. Yes, it's when they like. For instance, you have the you know, what's our first point of business thing from Wrath of Khan? Food. Yeah. Get the get the giant hot dog. <laughs> what? Um, yes. What does it mean? The, what What does it mean? Exact change. Oh, sorry, that was. Yeah, something I else. love the joke where it was like um, <clears throat> New York City. No, it's Toronto because you know everything gets filmed in Canada. Right, says it's the United States. I thought right. that was hilarious. They, yeah, they drilled down on that in. Um, yeah, they drilled down that in uh, in the ready room with Will Wheaton. The after show, they said, you know, hey, it's it's fun to do because obviously the show films in Toronto, um, but nobody ever really talks about Toronto, even in you know every you know. CW show, which is filmed in Vancouver, so opposite coast, they never really, well, right. this is Smallville, or this is Gotham City, or blah, 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 blah. No, blah. it's Canada. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's just um, Canada. Just touching briefly on Kirk's charm, though, I really appreciated how Wesley is not playing him as Zap Brannigan. Yes. Um, like, this Kirk, like, he knows his boundaries. He's mm-hmm. charming, but he's not pushy. Right. He's not so, a horn so- dog. Right. And he's I not really doing appreciate. A, he's not doing a lot of shoulder grabs when he's talking to somebody like you. Yeah, you know the, the way he interacts with women, and yeah, it's just when, when they have that genuine, you know, forehead touch, the smooch. It's just he's so very right, and but it's, also and, like, and it's just very like, tender. Instance, like it's very the, tender. The, the scene in the hotel, they didn't have him make a move, and I really oh. liked that because right. it's like, you know, Kirk is not the popular culture version of Kirk. No, and right. That's so I, I liked that take on how they did it. Um, the one gripe I have about this episode, although I, one thing I do have to say, I really did like how they brought in the temporal cold war to explain why Khan is later. That, that really, fun. that, that worked incredibly um, well. And I, I loved, I love because we were watching it again yesterday and April was watching with me. And I said, what's interesting is that this Kirk 
is very familiar with the Romulans because they've been at war with them for an unspecified period of time. So are the Vulcans. The Vulcans are about to get rubbed out. That's what we get from old Spock that we see. But Lon has never seen a, has never seen a Romulan. It's 2259. Our people don't meet the Romulans until 2266. So we're a yeah. ways off um, from even knowing, uh, even though, you know, if she was paying attention, she, she, you know, she, she said, saw the oh, she said, yeah, they she said, said oh, the ears. Yeah. Yeah. She said so, something about the ears, but that could mean anything. It, it doesn't. Anything. It, yeah. So, but I, I just that's like the one thing that I was a little nitpicky on is like, there's so many different people who have done time travel in Star Trek history. Why does it have? Why do we keep having to return to the Romulans? Right. I love the Romulans, but maybe give them a break. Well, yeah, it's like giving the Borg a break. I'm, I'm, I hope we never see him again. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, we, Picard was so Romulan heavy all the way through. And then this. And so. the Kelvinverse movie started with the Romulans. You know, right. I love the Romulans. But and, and they're still just finding ways to plug them in where they kind of don't belong because they're not supposed to be at, at this point in the history. So um, so anyway, uh, <clears throat> I and again, I've seen the first six uh, episodes. I'm expecting to get the second screener kind of any day now, which will kick off with the, the lower decks episode, which is supposed to be the seventh episode, which I'm really fired up about um, th- this. This one has been my favorite so far. I really enjoyed watching this one again, um, but there's still so much more to come. I'm just I'm, I'm very excited so uh final thoughts before we move on jen um i really liked seeing so much of laon and her character development and totally. how yeah. this pulls her out of her job and shows us her as a human being who is removed from that very professional very straight laced very uptight and and we can see her Maybe some of her walls start to break down. She right. is recognizing that the name, it's just a name. It doesn't have to carry. She's not carrying the weight of it anymore right. after this. Right. So right. Yeah. It's really interesting it to a, see where this yeah. goes and is she going to be able to open up a little bit more and, and make some more friendships and just, I'd like to see where she goes. So yeah, I'm excited I know. for that. It, it was, yeah, it was good tip. You shush. No more Kirk talk. Um, all right. Well, moving on, Jen, 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 this one is yours. Episode four. Go okay. for it. So we have uh, season two, episode four, Among the Lotus Eaters, mythology reference. Uh, returning to a planet that dredges up tragic memories, Captain Pike and his landing party find themselves forgetting everything, including their own identities, as he confronts a ghost from his past. What do you think? This might yeah. be the first episode that I don't want to rewatch, but that is mostly because of the sound design. Oh, yeah. that is what Ugh. people are saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, people over on our, our Grand Petoskey Discord have been yeah. talking about man that just the, that 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 high pitched whining that starts very early on is just was just it was driving me nuts. It gave me a headache, and I am yeah. specifically sensitive to those particular yeah. high pitched sounds, so I had to literally like sit there and cover my ears. Oh my good, yeah. It was, too much. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a, it, not a great choice, that's for sure. I can see how it can tie into unease and uncertainty. Um, yeah, and I mean, other movies do it too, but it, there's a way to like tone down maybe the frequency it or something. really extensive, right. so I don't and, know, maybe and, they'll patch right. it in the future. Could be. I mean, yeah, that was, I, I, I don't know, I, I haven't necessarily heard of 
that happening, but I mean, anything's possible. Certainly if enough people are like, oh, this really didn't work. Um, but what do we think about the, uh, yeah, the episode as as overall? The actual episode um, was very interesting for me. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed if this is Ortegas's episode, but um, I think there's going to be more for her. I do think that we, we, we still got to see some of who she is without her memories. Cause the episode deals with who is everybody without their memory? What, yeah. what are you at your core? Um, and we see like Pike's protectiveness of his crew come out to the point of him, like being violent, um, which is not what I would think of him, but when right. he doesn't know who he is, he sees that. Um, they're talking about memories being, or the, the stuff that sticks is the stuff that's tied to emotion. And Spock is still very, very Vulcan, very repressed. And I think that's because it, it's, um, it's a practiced thing. You know, mm-hmm. they're talking about things that are practiced, things that you've rehearsed. So like, yeah, Ortegas can still fly the ship. You know, she is Erica Ortegas and she flies the ship. You're right. Um, but like when her memories are removed, is she scared? Is she vulnerable? You know, some of this is coming from the planet, but how much of that is her trying to cover up? with some bravado and witty comments, you know, she wants to do more. She wants to expand uh, past just being the pilot, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is what she's good at. And this reiterates that. Right. It's almost like she's uh, somehow fighting for character development. I want to be more than just, you know, this show Sulu, which, you know, it's funny in TOS, uh, very famously, the only starring characters in TOS uh, were Kirk, Spock and McCoy. Those three actors, everybody else was a guest starring at the end because back in those days they didn't have starring credits at the end. There was always, they would just flash through in the credits and, uh, you know, Kirk, you know, you know, it'd be Scotty, Sulu, you know, Chekhov, Uhura in, in the episodes that they were in. Even though a lot of those characters did get featured, you know, Scotty had episodes where now we're going to throw Scotty into trouble. And I was just thinking of the wolf in the fold today, the one with with him and Red Jack. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then uh, Chekhov, you know, had, uh, you know, with the one with the space hippies, one of them was his, you know, childhood friend from Russia. Yeah, on the way to Eden. So it's like, you know, they did sneak in some character moments for the uh, for the characters in the original series, but it was so few and far between um, where they're making, you know, even I noticed in the last, the most recent season of discovery, making much more of an effort to take each bridge character and kind of nudge them into an arc. Um, I don't feel like as successfully as that they're doing here. I, f- I feel this feels much more organic to me mm-hmm. in not saying, well, I really think so-and-so is blah, blah. Like one of the younger characters noticed when uh, uh, Adira will say, well, I noticed that uh, uh, Emily Klatz's character who flies the ship, she's really great and blah, blah. It's like, well, Detmer. we don't really know. Yeah. Detmer. Thank you. We don't really know anything about that character. So why do I care that this other character, who in my case, I'm not that fond of thinks this other character is so great when we've not really had a lot of character development. So it's nice to, I think it's nice to see him kind of making the most of it um, with these characters kind of in this moment. Mm-hmm. The episode overall, at least for myself, wasn't crazy about. I, I don't know. You know, the whole um, going to Rigel 7 and having to be this frozen wasteland. And again, 
we're taking it from there was there was a great uh, bit on the ready room for this episode about you know how they use the the 3D wall to build that and the castle and everything. Um, but if you watch the cage, which is what we knew about you know Pike to start with, uh, you know the, the, he he was having a memory of visiting you know Rachel Twelve and fighting the Kalar and yada yada yada. And keep in mind, you know that's that's a memory that he was experiencing. We weren't quote unquote watching something that was happening, so it could have been different. But I guess this this image of that for me didn't really gel with with what i feel like we saw in the cage so i don't know i i wasn't crazy about that part i know it's probably something something kind of minor but i do like jen to your point the you know when when it's all stripped away what's you know when you when you, you kind of brush everything away what's the you know what's the the chewy nougat center Ooh, chewy nougat center there's a name <laughs> for the episode oh <laughs> um but uh, while i t- while i type that peter let's have your thoughts um I had mixed feelings about this episode. Like I, when it first started, I was like, Oh look, Ortegas gets to do something random. And then she didn't. I was like, Oh, Aww. dang it. Um, so, cause like I enjoy Ortegas. I want to see her do more. Um, so I was a little let down by that. Um, I didn't really like some of the underlying philosophical standpoints here. Yes, um, par for the course for you, because I, I know, know that's your jam. <laughs> I know, that's my thing. Um, yeah. Mainly, like, the stuff, like, the character was great, but the old guy, whose name is escaping me. Luke. Uh, yeah, Luke. Yeah, Luke. And um, he was a character actor who I'm like, I know who yeah, that guy is. And I went, check, I, went, I went to his IMDb immediately. Hey, it's that guy, like on Sequest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but, like, the idea of, like, um, your emotion is your truth, I don't like that. Um because there's more to truth than just simply how I feel. I agree. I agree. Um, and so it was just like, eh. and then they were juxtaposing like that with uh, Spock's like emotions are not facts. It was like, yes, Spock. And then they, it seemed to be like, they were trying to like smash those together and try to pit them against each other. It's like you, but it was very clumsy because the, the two characters who are espousing both viewpoints never met. Yeah. And so those vo- those viewpoints didn't actually come into direct conflict. No, yeah, because you separated um, the story. Yeah, because the because the facts thing was up on the ship, and the emotions thing was down on the planet, and it was just a very weird. Like they had this idea, like someone did, like philosophy one hundred and one. It was like, hey, this is a cool thing, and threw it in there, and I was like, eh, it didn't work. <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, but. Like I get the idea; it's an interesting concept. It was just execute, executed very badly. <laughs> um, that doesn't mean the episode's trash. It just means that that thought wasn't written. Yeah, I didn't well. even notice that contrast until you brought it up just now, yeah. either. Yeah. So I don't think it, it can't really have been that effective. No, and that's the thing. It, yeah. So um, I don't know if they were trying to make some sort of commentary because you know that's some stuff that's been flying around, but it was just. If it, if that's was the intent, it was very clumsy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's you know, what what I felt was lag. I did feel the episode was was kind of clumsy. Yeah, it, in it, that it was kind of so. lacking in like, what's your point? I guess is kind of what I, yeah, where I was at with like, that with this episode. Because like, are, oh look, you, we. Yeah, go ahead. Are you coming at this to with this? You know, facts aren't feelings, kind of thing, or feelings don't care about your facts, or vice versa, um, or yeah. you know. I don't know, but um, yeah, because that seemed to be the juxtaposition that they're trying to put up, and it just yeah. didn't. Yeah, it didn't really work. And then, like having people berate Spock a little bit was like, okay, like, yeah, stop. 
<laughs> the thing is, it's all valid. They're both valid. Everything's valid. You know, the, the emotions that you carry with you are valid. And I think that, you know, Luke on the planet is talking about, you know, he doesn't want to remember right. pain. And I understand someone, you know, who's gone through a trauma just saying, I don't want to know. I don't, don't tell me. I don't right. I'd rather forget. No, no. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I have ADHD. I forget stuff all the time so i'm coming into this going this is awful like this is this is like what i have but like worse like turned up to 11 Mm. Um, i can't just to have to remember you know memento these notes to yourself to start every day like they tattoo that on their arms like oh this is my name and oh i have a family uh okay um that's that's it it almost hits a little too hard for me with yeah. with that. Oh, I feel so, you. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Fair. I mean, still love Stranger Worlds. I still think that it's my favorite of the shows, but this episode yeah. just wasn't really it for me. You know, even even in a season of just ten episodes, there, there's going to be a duffer. You know what I mean? They, they they can't all they can't all be you know uh, Abbey Road, you know, so to speak. Yeah. As far as you know, having having the the great, they can't all be Billy Joel's The Stranger. You know what I mean? They can't all just <laughs> yeah. be absolutely perfect. So that's that is fair. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm current through the next two episodes. I'm super excited uh, to talk about about those when we come back, and then yeah, we'll have our extended break, and mm-hmm. then those are the episodes. That I haven't seen yet. So we're going to try to kind of, we're going to have kind of a supersized episode when we get back from Vegas because we're going to have to talk about four episodes. So, um, but again, th- this was great. I love uh, the fact that we have a bigger team now uh, here on the show. We've got Jen and Peter. We also have Kay and Missy, and everybody has crazy schedules. And, you know, I am, you know, you guys are very patient with me in the group chat that we have, me <laughs> trying to juggle all the balls and somebody's sick, somebody's out of town, somebody this, somebody that. So I'm very grateful uh, to have both of you um, on. So thank guys, thanks for this. Um, Peter and I are gonna Peter and I are gonna go on uh, and talk about enterprise. But Jen, uh, thank you for joining. As always, look forward to having you back. Where Where do people find you out there? People can find me at linktree dot uh, slash Jen Watson Art. You will find all of my Etsy goodies, my T shirt designs, my Instagram. Everything that I do is up there. Lots of projects, um, and uh, be the Starfleet you want to see in the world. I love it. Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to take a pause and then we will be back uh, with Peter and myself. So see you, in, see you in a moment. Returning, returning, returning. Uh, we're back. Just Peter and myself. And we are going to continue talking about Enterprise. Now, Peter, you were not uh, with us last time when we started the season, but we are in season three, the 2003 and 2004 Zindi arc. It was the first uh, season in any Star Trek that took on a single story format, which is, of course, what we get now. That's kind of the standard fare. Um, but Peter, uh, so you uh, at this time, you you were a young man when this came out. Were you did you watch this when it first? No. Came? Oh, OK. I, so I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but when Enterprise first came out, I was an anti Enterprise dude. Ooh, um, not my Star Trek. <laughs> not not to that level. It was more of the. As anyone who has listened to me say anything knows, I am a canonista. I love continuity. Yes, yes. Um, And so when I first saw it, I was like, I I listed all of my issues with it. Like, you know, transporters aren't invented yet. Phasers don't exist yet. The ship should look more like a rocket. Like, I had lots of reasons, um, which are still reasonable. However, um, 
when I went and I did finally start watching the show in 2012, I believe. Oh my. So it's about 10 um, years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was the first time I started watching enterprise and I was hooked. And after the first couple episodes um, and pretty much all of my Canon issues were um, assuaged. Right. Let me just tell anyone who's an enterprise doubter if I can be convinced. Right. Yeah. Give it a shot. I mean, it's a, you know, for a series uh, in general, you know, it, um, it was, it was the franchise killer uh, because it, uh, you know, well, it, was, it, it I, just, uh, it yeah. had issues with like time and then, you know, Nemesis was so lackluster. Right. And there well, was franchise fatigue from, you know, yeah, there was, running there everything, was so. just a lot of the same old, same oldness. I've said, you know, we got to a lot of the same and uh, Space Anomaly does this. And even though they didn't have the holodeck, they had something that was like it. That was a da 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 da. So, um, yeah. but anyway, to talk about this season, they jumped in and started doing, um, Something different. And th- this block uh, of episodes, for the most part, I'm very fond of. So anyway, I'll kick yeah. us off uh, with episode seven, The Shipment. Uh, David uh, Strayton is the director. Writers are Chris Black and Brent V. Friedman. Now, those are not two names I'm familiar with, so maybe not writers from uh, October of 2003. Uh, Captain Archer learns of chemis- learns chemocyte, a key element in the new weapon being built to destroy Earth. Uh, is uh, and seeks to follow the supply of the super weapons. So this is the first episode that we get a dialed in view of these indie primates, the, you know, the, uh, the uh, somewhat chimpanzee, chimpanzee, would you say they're kind of uh, well, chimp-like? This is the first, this is the first time we see the arboreals. Arboreals. Okay. The because prima- yeah, yeah, the primates are us. Yes. The sloth type. And I'm, I'm trying to remember is the main is, you know, the guy who's the foreman of, of the, the yeah. mining camp. Is he the same, guy that we keep seeing throughout the because he they, no, I, I hate, I hate I to say they all, so. I hate to say they all look alike but well the it, makeup just, does kind of make them all yeah. look the same but no this this yeah. guy appears I think he may show up one other time I don't remember um but he's part of it is he was a he's a f- decent sized name at this point um I can't remember his name. Uh, at the moment. He he's plays a decent striker in X two. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, oh, name. that was that was Brian Cox. Yep. Are you serious? Oh my god! Yeah, let me open. Um, I mean, you can double check, but as if, from what I remember, that's who it is. Oh um, my god! You absolutely have to be kidding me. Okay, I'm looking at. Uh, yeah, because this this jumped me over to. Um, let's see here. No, 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 no. Uh, Sam Whitwer was sloth number three. No clue. Nice. Holy crap. Never would have guessed. I didn't even know that he had a Star Trek role of any kind. Holy no, crap. That's, that's fantastic. I love yeah, that. Yeah. No, uh, Graylick was the main actor. No, it was John Coltrane Jr. who previously okay. played on TNG. Uh, okay, he just sounds yeah. familiar. Yeah, okay. John Coltrane Jr., let's see, in the episode... The, it's the episode where they're where they're chasing around the Romulans and the Cardassians and the Klingons all get involved. In yeah, the chase. Thank you. He's the Klingon, the one who challenges Data to the okay. headbutting. Yeah, Same he just, dude. For whatever reason, he just reminded me of that. He definitely gave you a Brian, Brian Cox vibe. So, anyway, I, I'm so excited that we looked that up because now I know something uh, about Sam Whitworth. No idea Sam Whitworth. Well, he was great. he was number three, and there, there's another actor. I'm not going to spoil it, but when we get to another episode in this cluster, there's another actor who started practically started his acting career 
with Star Trek behind very heavy makeup. And now he mm-hmm. is a he is a massive name. I'm not going to spoil it for you if you don't know it. Don't say it if you do know it. We'll, we'll surprise the listeners. But <laughs> um, I found this episode to be extraordinarily forgettable. I don't know about you, um, especially within this block of episodes where there were some really super rock solid segments. This one was kind of just like, meh. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. this one is like it's not like super, super like interesting, I suppose, but it's very important. Yes, it um, is. Yeah. So it it is a it's a signpost, uh, yeah. especially in this this, you know, we're in the first half of the season. Uh, it's a signpost to figuring out well, where do we want where do we need well, to go next? Well, also for this yeah. one, th- this is an exceptionally important one because it shows Archer that the Zindi are not all evil. And this is one of the right. first times we see that where it's like, these guys are just like, we're just doing science. Yeah. We don't know where, where any of this yeah. stuff's going. And Archer's yeah, like, we're, Did you yeah, know we're... that you blew up Earth? It's like, no. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so, like, so yeah, one thing that I really like about this episode is it's something that they build on throughout the season. And it's what allows for a lot of the payoff at the end. But you get this whole thing of, yeah, Zindi are yeah. all bad. And we eventually we find out like why and what's going on. But like, this is that first hint and you have like an honorable, decent dude who ends up helping them in the end. Right. First by point of phase pistol, but then. <laughs> Right and by his own, yeah, you know, yes, a, a, a gentle prodding, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know what, you make a good point. Um, but again, I mean, we didn't even, we couldn't even pick out who the the actor was, who's the guest star. That's how it ju- it just felt kind of forgettable to me, and I absolutely stunned that Sam Witwer was. You know, he was literally listed as sloth number three. That's kind of like you know, well, uh, you know, the line. There was a line in an episode of The Simpsons is auditioning for a play. This guy comes up with his uh, headshot and he says, "I played Panky Idiot Number Three in the Poseidon Adventure." And the lady goes, "We're looking for more of a duh duh idiot." <laughs> <laughs> just reminds me of galaxy quest oh my god exactly. number six in one yes. episode good job by Grabthar's hammer what yeah. a savings oh my goodness all right well let's move on i'll let you have this next one but this is all one right. of the, this one ended up in our bracket this challenge in our bracket yeah, yeah and it's one. it's this is definitely one of my favorites particularly of the first half of the season but go for it, or the first, first half of the series so all right it, so please. episode eight twilight Directed by none other than Robert Duncan McNeil. Um, written Robbie, by, Robbie D. Robbie McDunk. Yeah, written by Mike Sussman. Aired November 5th, 2003. A parasite causes Captain Archer to lose his short-term memory, and he, with the help of T'Pol and Dr. Phlox, seeks a way to change the past. Oh, man. This is a great episode. So great. This is, um, and again, this is when Battlestar Galactica, uh, the Ron Moore version, one of my absolute favorite programs of all time, uh, was just getting started. This was, well, actually, no, this was this was prior to that miniseries airing. Uh, so yes. this was pretty into that series. But in a lot of ways, I mean, that series aped the classic series uh, of the, you know, uh, our, our civilization is wiped out and there's a caravan of the last of us. Uh, they're going off to survive. Um, and th- this th- this did that. And I think they yeah. I think it did it in a way that was absolutely awesome. And um they did a cool job starting it off. Archer wakes up in the middle of the night, we, you know, to the ship rocking, and he walks out of his uh, quarters, and there's a, there's a security non-com standing there, and, sir, I can't let you out. And he's like, what the hell's going on? And Archer knocks the guy down, uh, still shirtless, so it's Scott Bakula, so got to be no shirt. 
you know, I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm so sorry, Missy's not here to to poke fun at at uh, at the shirtlessness, but um, yeah, he goes to the bridge and arriving at the bridge, he gets there just in time for them to you know emerge from a vortex and see the Zindi weapon destroy Earth and just and that's our cold open, yep. just oh, and then great transition post credits, uh, he wakes up as you know a man twelve years in the future, uh, being who knows where wanders out into Paul's making him breakfast and he's like. He, he doesn't know anything. He doesn't yeah. know anything at all except for uh, what we find in, you know, in, in Act Two, where he's starting to go through um, the events that got this role. And he and Paul were walking down a corridor, and they get hit by a wave of whatever, and he gets this parasite. And then he starts. You find out that over the next year, he's, you know, he becomes so useless that he's got to stay in his quarters and watch TV or whatever. Because he, he and because without his leadership, the whole mission falls apart. And, you know, this indie destroy Earth, and then they wipe out all of humanity to the point that there's 12 years later, there's 6000, you know, humans left. And the so, Zindi are still hunting them. And the Zindi are still hunting them, which is, you know, how this ends up wrapping up. But great sci-fi stuff. A uh, Flax comes back uh, into, you know, in, into the picture with a big mullet because apparently, I don't know, maybe that's a thing. Older Nobulans got to just let their hair grow. But their hair grows. Paul has, uh, has a lovely hairstyle that we only she see in does. this episode. Exactly. Yeah. Well, no, she has longer hair in the Mirror Universe episode. Not nearly as long. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose and, you're right. And not nearly as well-kempt. <laughs> Or, ornate yes exactly um but uh yeah the, yeah the, 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 you know, it's a very sci-fi premise you know by zapping the parasites in the present uh they are eliminated backwards through time which means this alternate history is erased but they do it in you know the very tropish you know in the last act the, there's a big yeah, shootout in engineering second. and you know uh to paul gets shot and then archers at the controls and he gets shot like three times but with his last breath he pulls down the last lever and then you pull out to see the ship, the ship exploding much like with, um, the year of hell Voyager, the second segment yep. where, you know, they crash Voyager into the Krenum ship and there's a big explosion. And then you go back to the opening shot from the first episode yep. because nothing ever happened. Um, yeah. One of my absolute, absolute yeah, favorite episodes. Great episode. Yeah, no doubt about yep. it. So cool. Um, but we segue right into another one of my favorite episodes. This because, is also a good one. Yeah. I grew up in, uh, in middle school in particular, loving, uh, everything about the old west you know um uh, from watching you know probably re- you know uh, uh bonanza w- was a series that was very big in my family <laughs> this was always a joke at christmas uh in the, my mom's side of the family that would have uh you know christmas dinner right here in this very house because i live in the house i grew up in um the lp of the bonanza christmas would always get played and all of my uncles knew the words and would sing along with it so it just uh, <laughs> r- really definitely uh click but anyway episode nine is north star uh david straighten again is directing david a goodman uh did the writing from november of 03 uh investigating a planet found to be inhabited by humans the crew find a town resembling the american old west or is known in tng the ancient west um holy crap great episode we get glenn morshower coming back glenn morshower is a character actor who is amongst my very favorite uh we got him in tng he played uh in the episode peak performance he was the security officer who took over for for wharf when the crew was split up for that exercise in that one um but he had a really great role as a secret service agent in fox's 24 which is one of my favorite shows that i talk about absolutely all the time um but he was the sheriff in this small town and the guy who was his ne'er-do-well deputy he was he definitely had some star trek connections i feel like 
he he wasn't in the the ancient west episode of tng but he and that actor look like they could be cousins but that guy he's just kind of a kind of a slimy weasel type that you end up seeing a lot of other stuff you know what i mean you look you look confused yeah i'm looking looking him up? up to see if he appeared in anything else yeah that's right but this is great uh you know kudos to our people who without a replicator somehow fashion old west clothing um i you know maybe they maybe they beam some stuff uh they use targeted beaming to beam some stuff out of the general store and that's why they have hats and boots and jackets and all unless this you know stuff. someone's an avid role player somewhere on the i ship. guess you think it wouldn't be a priority during the mission to save humanity but you never know um but this was great you got to see uh you know trip say you know to paul says you know how to operate this animal well i've seen every john ford western and they he has to uh lend out his harmonica as collateral so they can borrow a horse um and a lot of funny moments in this episode. yeah it's just really great and so yeah the the crux of it is that in the you know back in ancient west times a uh interstellar race called the skagarans abducted a a chunk of you know a a chunk of you know a human settlement to become their slaves they brought them back to this planet uh and after six months these humans managed to revolt and kill the skagarans and rebuild society in so much as what they knew back on earth um and uh, it, both some of the Skagarns, uh, you know, society survived, but as second class citizens. And so this is addressed. Uh, one of the characters, the female character, uh, who was uh, she was a very funny character in uh, the U.S. version of uh, Shameless, which was on Showtime with William H. Macy. She was his illegitimate daughter. And so she was the older sibling to the other kids. And they just absolutely hated her guts. So she was that, that's what I remember her for. Um, but she yeah, she was great. But you find out in the middle of the episode that she is of mixed race. She's Gagarin and human. So that ends up um, becoming a, a crux of the plot as well. There are about 6,000 of these people. So we don't end up taking any of them with us, nor do we ever hear about them again, because quite frankly, with 6,000 of them, there would be no way to get them back to Earth in a timely fashion because Enterprise is the only Warp 5 vessel. They don't have, you know, they could put them all on one of those cargo ships that, like, Mayweather grew up on, but those travel at, like, Warp 2, so good luck. Plus, yeah. you know, they got they got bigger fish to fry. But And, and they, also, like, they're fairly well-functioning. Yeah. At the end, they're right. hopefully better-functioning society, and so, you know, hopefully right. the Federation can just come back in later. And Right. Yeah, and that you know what? That would be a cool episode or whatever. It would be but, I mean, a fun touch that someone yeah. else does later. You know, hey, let's go back to the cowboy planet and see how Exactly. Just like we have yeah, – could be, that could be one for Lower Decks. Uh, right. You know, just just like the uh, the gangster planet. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a, in a, or Landrew or, you know, the gangster planet in the piece of the, you know, uh, a piece of the action. So, yeah, de- def- definitely one of my faves. So, cool. All right, moving on. The next one's yours. All right. Episode 10, Similitude. Directed by LeVar Burton and directed by uh, – written by Manny Cotto, the future oh. showrunner. Yes, I think this and, is his first one, actually. And scri- again, Scribe on 24. So, yeah. yeah. Aired on November 19th, 2003. Commander Tucker becomes comatose after an accident to his brain. And a rapidly clone is created for the purpose of harvesting brain tissue. Ouch! Yes. This is yes. another very well-written episode. Agreed. Um, it's a Tucker-centric episode without being Tucker. Uh, 
Right, right, yeah, kind of, sort of, because yeah, the, the crux of it is is that in this injury, Flax naturally has a creature in his um in his, in his menagerie, menagerie of his menagerie of weird creatures that he can take some of Trip's DNA, plug it into this spongy thing, and then in like two days, it grows into a, an infant version of Trip, but it ages, it, it it goes through its lifetime over about like two and a half or three weeks or something like that, yep. um, and that he ages, and but he also you know retains some of Trip's memories, um. And then he, you know, develops friendships with people in the crew. He's able to help out. And then again, the, the B plot of this is that Enterprise is stuck in a cloud and there's a bunch of blah, blah, blah. That's mucking up the engines, yada, yada, yada. And they really uh, need trip. Because yeah, and they really need trip. But, you know, yeah, the the B part of the plot is is so it's so paint by numbers that I, 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 I feel like I didn't even pay attention to it because it was that boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the stuff with trip and then, you know, he, we see, uh, Sim, uh, which people, they end up calling the clone, um, falls in love with to Paul and to Paul ends up feeling, having feelings for him. And as we know, that continues to evolve once trip, uh, is at the end. Uh, they, they did kind of a, a classic bit, uh, with the beginning of the series, oh, there's a funeral in the torpedo bay, and blah blah blah. We're eulogizing somebody, and then they cut down to the casket, and it's Trip. He's wearing the uniform you're wearing, but he's not. It's the uniform. He's not wearing pips. He doesn't have a patch. So it's like, oh, the crafty viewer can pick out that something's not really quite right. Then the bookended scene at the end of the uh, episode is that it's the same thing, but then as you swirl around, you see up. Trip. Yeah, he's pan up, and then Trip is standing there. So obviously everything worked out just fine. But yeah, spot. On episode, I, I I really I liked what they did. It was it was interesting. Cr- develop interesting right. looking at you know organ donate or donation and like growing. It, it was a, like Tuvix. Yeah, yeah, it was too. Which is you know if you pay attention to any of the 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 Star Trek shit posting groups like on mm-hmm. Facebook, the 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 Tuvix uh, memes will never end. I mean, and that that episode was from twenty five years place ago. Tuvix doesn't die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. No, but th- this was a good one. I think, again, they took a very sci-fi-ish kind of thing and made it not about sci-fi because they really made it about, you know, bl- our oh, blossoming sure. characters, yeah. which I really like. So, okay, this is this next one is a particular favorite of mine because in 2003, mm-hmm. uh, I was living in Metro Detroit, which is my hometown. Uh, I live now in Grand Rapids as I grew up here too, as well. But th- this just absolutely cracked me up um, because this episode number 11 is called Carpenter Street, uh, directed by Mike Vahar. Uh, this was a Berman and Braga joint, uh, mm-hmm. which makes it even more like... Bleh. Uh, from November of 03, with the help of temporal agent Daniels, Captain Archer and T'Pol go back to 2004 Detroit to stop a group of Zindi reptilians uh, from developing a biological weapon. Wow, where do we get started? Uh, First of all, their representation of Michigan in general, and Detroit specifically, could not be more far off because it has absolutely nothing to do with what Detroit's like. There, you know, I immediately, even at the time, Googled Carpenter Street. I don't. I don't think there is one. Uh, nope, so that, I so, Googled it too when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and ca- ca- the, the carpenter makes me chuckle because that's my middle name. Um, so, yeah. It, uh, but again, uh, all their little, you know, inferences to, you know, any kind of modern uh, life. It's like, oh, all these people living in, particularly before uh, a little bit more of the urban renewal that's happened in Detroit in the last decade. There just weren't a lot of people, uh, you know, there weren't a lot of uh, people of uh there weren't a lot of white people living in Detroit. Let me just put it to you that way back in those days. So all of the characters were white. 
Don't really think to be living down there. Whatever. I'm sorry. At me at Twitter at the C3. If you disagree, it's okay. Um, but yeah, in 2004, and then yeah, to turn on the radio, it's like, hey, come see a monster truck rally at the Michigan Monster Track Dome. And I'm like, that's not a thing. It was just for me. It was just kind of driving me nuts. Um, the, it was the pl- definitely yeah. written by people from California who had never set foot in Michigan. Exactly. Yeah, this was not the Beverly Hills Cop people. And none more evident than the final uh, pullout shot when Leland Orser is the ne'er-do-well uh, villain of this episode. Uh, Leland Orser, who we've seen him in, you know, he's been in absolutely everything, but he was uh, a crazy hologram in an episode of Voyager early in season four. Um uh, Late image, I think, was the episode. No, no, no. I don't know. Hit me up if you remember the name of the episode. But um, nothing is more evident than the pullout shot of that, where they pull back down Carpenter Street, and there's those famous uh, Southeast Michigan mountains that I'm so familiar with. Oh, I just even watched that. I was like, come on, just yeah. you could have picked any other angle to to do that shot. Shoot it in the other direction. There's not mountains in the other direction. Just <laughs> set the set the crew up at the other end of the street. Um, um, okay, my big reveal. This was the episode I talked about a little while ago. There is an actor playing as indie reptilian, ladled in makeup, talking in kind of a funny voice. Do you know who I'm talking about? I looked it up a while ago, but I don't remember. <laughs> it is, drum roll, Jeffrey Dean Morgan of The Walking Dead, Negan himself. Uh, very nearly, very nearly, if not at the, not exactly started his career with this episode. I didn't know that for years because again, I had no idea who he was. I know that in, uh, for fans of the show supernatural, he was the father of the, the, uh, Winchester brothers who are the stars of the show. Uh, we see him in the first episode, various flashbacks, blah, blah, blah. I didn't watch a ton of that show, but I know it it was a favorite of my wife's. Um, but yeah, he came to more to fame back in, I think 2012 or maybe I think it was 2015 as uh, the the live action version of Negan, who is one of the bigger villains in the Walking Dead comic book series by Robert Kirkman that became an enormously uh, successful television franchise. And he now uh, is 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 co-star of his own Walking Dead spinoff called Dead City, which takes place in New York City, which is, is on right now. So, yeah, got to start in Star Trek. I love it. But yeah, this was, uh, you know. But again, it was a very paint-by-numbers plot because it was, uh, we're looking for the virus. This exact same time, there it was a, there was it was season three of twenty four, and the vi- uh, virus was the plot line. So I'm like, and, and it was in a grid, gritty urban setting, and I'm like, you guys are just you guys are just taking a photocopy of of twenty four and slapping it on, and I just, ugh. Ugh. anyway, not 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 one of my favorites. Um, no, it's but not but a terrible I, episode, but it's yeah. not. It's not I, super I, great. I, I definitely do like to, to laugh my way through it. So, all right, last one. Take us home. It's all yours. All right. The last episode, episode 12, Chosen Realm, directed by another Star Trek alum, Roxanne Dawson, uh, written also by Manny Cotto, aired January 14th, 2004. Religious zealots seek to execute Captain Archer for supposed acts of sphere desecration after hijacking Enterprise. Oh, my. Well, Peter, it's it's no secret that I'm not a super religious guy, but you are. So from a religious standpoint, I'm going to let you say your piece and then I will probably say some of the more obvious things. But go for it. What what were your thoughts about that religious religious zealot part of it? Um, I mean, to be perfectly frank, this episode is a little forget- forgettable for okay. um, That's That's why you were supposed to watch it again before we do this. <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently I completely missed this one. Um, oh, boy. Oh, 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 oh. okay. Um, that, that's okay. I, 
I do remember it, so it's not like it's you know, that big of a deal. Um, All right, go for it. But like, it's interesting. But sometimes, um, with how like how sometimes Star Trek approaches religion, usually it's fine. Um, but every once in a while, and this kind of leans into that just a little bit, where you get like you're only dealing with the extremists. <laughs> Right. Very um, true. Yeah, because you don't, you don't then, really learn anything else about this society. Yeah, uh, you just know that these guys are like, you know, um, the worst like of the worst. Craziest. Mixed match of like the early 2000s idea of a jihadist mixed with a crusader. It's very weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, there's this idea where it's like you, you don't know our beliefs and so you have to pay for it, which is, you know, again, early 2000s. Yeah, um, very. You know, is I, I think the term is Islamophobic at that point. That, um, yeah, post nine eleven, so, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So like, you have to take that into into what's going on here. We don't have like the you know with the Bajorans where you have some of that religious fat, fanaticism, but it's not right. seen as negatively. Right. Right. Um, so. Yeah, it was just this one was just a strange episode. Like it's well directed and it's well mm-hmm. acted. Agreed. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because you have uh, people, and again, you're right. Uh, looking back to you know religious fanatics, the IRA, for example, or you know the Taliban, you have people who are human bombs because they can do you know they they can stick this like you know key into their arm and turn it a certain way and make themselves yep. explode, yep. which is they they do, and yeah, that's the one they get at the end because you know there's the inevitable inevitable our people escape at the end and they're having a big firefight and the one guy standing on top of the warp core and he's about ready to key blow himself up and then he gets shot at the last minute. Yeah. And then the thing at the end where you have like, you know, the like it's it's a little too on the nose. Yeah. Where you end the episode, you're like, your entire planet's been destroyed while you've been right. gone. Like Exactly. Uh, it was it was very much a, a you know, let the let it be your last battlefield with the Frank yeah. Gorshin and the black on the black on like, the left side or white on the left side. If anyone yeah. remembers when I talked about that episode, I didn't like that either because it was too well, on the nose. It's just way too much. So. I do I do have another um the, we had two in a row. Um uh, an actor who became somebody very famous, but not for acting. Uh the role of Jerob was played by an it's misspelled uh, here on Wikipedia by Taylor Sheridan, who has gone on to create the Yellowstone universe, uh, which is quite a dynasty uh, of programs. Um, did actually just get news this week, totally Star Wars and related that, um, or Star Trek related. Oh my God. I do too many of these shows, Peter, uh, <laughs> that um, Kevin Costner has officially left Yellowstone and they're wor- worrying about the whole thing falling apart. But Yellowstone itself has uh, produced two great spinoffs and is, people are you know it's catnip for old people like my dad really loves it uh but april and i are crazy for it but this dude he's super an episode he's super talented uh he's he's actually written and directed some films that are about very similar subject matter yellowstone in a nutshell it's about a uh generations long uh ranching family in montana that is they're in a constant struggle to uh keep their land because everybody wants it um so it's kind of a yeah it's it's modern day spin it's 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 pretty gritty it's pretty violent it's it's pretty edgy um but yeah this is where he got his start he was a young guy and got to start on enterprise just like uh sam whitwer uh, i don't know again that's where he got to start and just like uh jeffrey dean morgan so this was this was very groundbreaking for you know talent that that went into Classic you know into the 20 teens 
Classic yeah. Star Trek. Let's take exactly. these people and give them something to do. And exactly. Then we'll see them later when they're famous. Yeah. Total, total six, de- six degrees of Star Trek, which I had suggested to our group. Oh, hey, let's play this game, but be a very short game. Because uh, first of all, you can go to Memory Alpha and it's all right there. Like so and so starred in this movie with all these other Star Trek people. So, yeah. But yeah. Uh, right off the cuff, it could be a tough one. So, all right. Well, this, th- this wraps up this sixth episode. So let's pick uh, a favorite and let's pick a least favorite. You go first. Um, oof. See, the problem is we have two like really good ones. In I know. How do you pick? Um, I am going to go with um Twilight. For Same. Favorite. Yes, absolutely. Um, I just really liked that one. If I had to pick something different, it would probably be North Star, just because it's so. Yeah, it just tickles my funny bone of Star Trek yeah. going back to the old West. I enjoy right. when they do that, right? Big time. Um, uh, but in terms of least favorite, um, and it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, for me, it probably would be Carpenter Street. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm struggling between that and between the that sh- and Chosen and, Realm. Yeah, I mean. I, I liked both of them for different reasons, but there's also problems that I have with both. Right. So very true. Yeah. For me again, yeah, it's liking bits and pieces uh, of really five of the six of these, but the shipment, I mean, even I was like, eh, even though, yeah, it did. But again, even there's something to like in that one because it provides um, key, you know, fuel for the fuel tank that that drives the plot forward. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I do get that. So, um, so yeah. Um, but anyway, a, a real a otherwise really solid uh, grouping of episodes. So I'm pretty happy about it. So, well, cool. Well, that's it, uh, Peter. Thank you as always. Where do people find you out there? You can find me around the internet at Petrus Aquinas in various locations. Um, you can also find me playing a Vulcan chief engineer on ELH's Twitch or YouTube channel. Um, that's pretty much it. If you at me, I might not say anything, but I'm there. He's there. Oh my goodness. Well, as always, you can find me over on Twitter uh, for the time being, because we know there's a lot of turmoil with Twitter. Uh, we did get an SFU account started over on Threads, uh, and I started an account myself, but I'm not really played with it. I don't know if I have the bandwidth to, to do much more. I guess I'd have to have Twitter die first uh, to really get started on something else. But anyway, over on Twitter, uh, I'm at the C3. Just go ahead and spell it out. Of course, we do have our secret friends at Secret Friends U, so you can find us there too. Uh, my wife, April, and I, uh, and Peter, are all part of the USS Grand Petoskey. That is one of the biggest chapters of Starfleet, the International Star Trek Fan Club. We're based here in West Michigan. Uh, we do have chapters, obviously, all around the world. I actually run region 13 for SFI, which is Michigan and Eastern Canada. If you're a trekker within the sound of my voice and would like to meet other trekkers uh, in your vicinity, uh, drop us a line at our Grand Petoskey website or at any of our socials and we will help connect the dots for you. We're happy to do it. So cool. With that, I'm going to tell you as always that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server. Or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.